The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word. Now, there are weeks where uh, you're, you're functioning and you're working and, and there's a clear direction, and there are other weeks where you're, you're, you're so bombarded by events that you're asking God, okay, which one of these things is the direction for us as a congregation? I got to tell you, I had one of those weeks where it seemed like every single day there was something that came up that, that was a, a test or a trial or some form of, of tribulation that I was thinking, well, God, I know you're working in this. What is it that you're speaking so that I can, can be sure and be on board with what it is that you're doing? And right about the time that I would think, you know, well, surely this is it, something else would, would happen. Something else would, would come up. And they're all things that are normal, everyday things. It's just kind of like rain here in Abilene, right? It's nice to get rain. Just, just spread it out a little. Seven inches at a time is a bit much, right? Uh, so it's one of those situations. Well, well, by the time the week had come to a close, uh, I was aware that, that there's something that I, I want to speak. I want to remind myself and I want to remind you. Now, sometimes when we get into the Word together, we revisit some of the same passages that we visited before. That's actually a really good thing. Uh, it's repetition that makes revelation a reality in your life. And so if some of the things that we discussed today sound familiar, just embrace that and understand that I, I personally believe that God's stirring this this morning for a reason. I, I know I wanted to be reminded and I want to help remind you. So here's a few things we're going to find as we get into the Word. If you're taking notes, which I strongly recommend, you can write these things down, things to look forward to as we get into the Scripture. One, what all of the world wants to see. What the world wants to see, what the world needs to see. I mean, if you're, if you're like me, you're aware of some of the current events and the news and the things that are going on, and it's obvious that, that there's a, a, an unrest that exists, at least in our nation, but, but around the world. And that unrest is the result of, of some dissatisfaction or some void or some emptiness. There's something that there is an element of disappointment that's causing people to act out or lash out. Now, the thing that they're seeking may not be the thing that they need, but the point is, is they're looking for something. Whether they're looking for it peacefully or not, there's something that the world desires to see, whether they realize it or not, it's there. We're going to find that in the scripture. Uh, a second thing we're going to find is what God is doing in our lives. Now, I took the liberty when I was writing there to say what God is doing in your life, and it's my life too. I mean, what God's doing in our lives. There's something that he's doing constantly, and I want to be aware of that. Being aware of what he's doing in our lives is really helpful in understanding uh, what's going on. A third thing that we're going to find is what God wants to share with you, what he wants to share with me, what he wants to share with his children, every believer. Something very powerful and effective that God is looking to share with us. So I want to get into the word here. We'll jump right in, and I mentioned before we're going to find what the world wants to see. I want to find that in the scripture here in the Gospel of John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of John. We're going to look at the Gospel of John chapter 12, uh, starting around verse 20. Now, I encourage you to read through it. I may, I may read through some of it directly. I may paraphrase some of it, but I'd like to open up what's going on. When you come to the Gospel of John, when you get to, to chapter 12, and you get to around... 
uh, verse 20, there's a lot of, of context that has, has already been established. So Jesus has performed wonderful and powerful miracles, and, and one specific that really rocked a, an entire uh, nation was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The man who, who was well-known was entombed for four days, and, and Jesus called him out from the tomb, and, and he came forward. Uh, this news of this spread like wildfire. I mean, you don't need Twitter, and you don't need Facebook for news to spread when something like that goes on. So Jesus has done this wonderful thing. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He arrives at Jerusalem. He enters Jerusalem. There's this wonderful celebration. The people are receiving Jesus. You can see uh, uh, all of the, the party that's going on, all of the, the riot that's going on. There's, there's a, a, a large number of people gathered, some of them behaving themselves, some of them not behaving themselves. There's just a lot going on. And in all of this unrest, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, that, that doesn't matter. In all of this unrest, one thing manifests, and that's what I want to focus on. A desire, a, a need becomes clear, and you see it as we get to about verse 20. When you get to verse 20, you see now there were certain uh, Greeks among them. And you have to understand, these were not Jews. These were people that were from outside of, of Israel. There were certain Greeks among them who were going to, to the feast to worship. And they came to Philip, one of the disciples, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I want to just stop there. You know, in all of the unrest and all of the, the things that are going on, I personally believe at, at the heart of what's going on in the world is, is that request exists in every person, whether they know it or not. I mean, people may be thinking that they're, participating in this for, for some individual, whether it be a, a man like George Floyd or, or somebody else, that's irrelevant. The point is, is that there is unrest that exists in our world, and there is only one thing that can satisfy. Whether people realize it or not, there is a cry going out across the earth, and that cry is, we want to see Jesus. Because Jesus is justice. Jesus is righteousness. There will be no perfect rule or no perfect reign until Jesus puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives and takes his place to reign for a thousand years. I mean, these are things that we have to look forward to. These are things that we can anticipate. These are also things that God has called us to participate in even now. I want to get into that as we get into the word. So this cry exists in the midst of, of unrest, in the midst of, of a split nation. I mean, you have to understand, if you think right now that there's a divide in the United States of America, put yourself back in the day of Jesus Christ, where you had uh, the Israeli government being occupied by the Roman government, and you had all kinds of unrest. You had those that were pro-Roman and those who were zealots who wanted to cast the Roman. You had division like you've never seen before. It was a powder keg of unrest. But at the heart of that, this cry, we wish to see Jesus. Now, now it's interesting to me that this is recorded in the scripture. I have to think this is recorded on purpose. I mean, one thing, it, it's interesting detail that adds to the credibility of this eyewitness account. Uh, many of you may remember some months back, one of our elders, Thomas Martinez, gave a message and it, it, it attributed those things to other parts of the gospel. It's really an interesting thing to think about. That it's not just some made-up fable once upon a time, 
but yet you have this recorded eyewitness account. You have that going for it, that it's this detail that's included that, that gives it credibility as an eyewitness account. You also have a sovereign God who's put that in there for our edification. This has made the cut. It's in the scripture on purpose, not so that we can just have you know, some filler between Jesus entering Jerusalem and his death on the cross. Well, we need some good reading between then, so let's just stuff some stuff in there. This has actually got purpose behind it. And, and it's not only me saying that. I mean, this little detail that seems odd, you know, a guy knocks on the door and says, hey, listen, we're not from around here, and we want to see Jesus. We've heard. We want to see. It's not enough for us just to hear about the things that he's done. We want to see Jesus. I think there's something there. And it's Jesus also that confirms it. Because uh, when, when he hears of this, when word comes to him, you can just read in the scripture here, and I may animate it a little bit. Uh, Philip goes, and, and he goes and reports to Jesus. He says, hey, there's people out there, and they're asking to see you. Philip went, he told Andrew. Andrew went with Philip. They went and told Jesus. You can tell as they're dealing with this, they're wondering, what are we supposed to do with this? And then Jesus hears about it, and Jesus responds to it, and his response gives tremendous merit to this seemingly meaningless event that's just taken place. When Jesus hears that there's people knocking on the door, that it's not enough that they hear about him, but they want to see him. It's not enough that they just get more stories about the things he's done, but they want to bear witness of the power and the glory and the authority that he walks in. Jesus says this. You'll see it at the end of verse 23. And Jesus answered, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I truly, 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 excuse me, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will then bear much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, I want to stop there, and I want to just paraphrase or break down what's being said here. This individual has come to the door and said, hey, there's a group of us that have heard. We've heard of these things, but we want to see. Show us. Show us Jesus. Now, the disciples who've walked with Jesus for years are perplexed by this, and they, they meet among themselves. I mean, it says Philip went and he met with Andrew. He didn't just take it straight to Jesus. And they're, hey, there's guys at the door. They're saying they actually want to see Jesus. What do we do? And one of them has the genius idea, well, let's go ask Jesus what to do. So they go to Jesus, and they say, hey, Jesus, there's people here. They've heard of you, but they want to see you. And, you know, Jesus doesn't tell them, well, get in line, you know. Next meeting's in an hour. He reveals something. He says, the hour is come for me to be glorified. And then he begins to speak of, of, of multiplication. He says, if this grain of wheat doesn't fall and die, it'll never multiply. He's speaking something in volumes to the men that are around him, to the people that are around him. And that echoes out to us today. What he's saying is there's going to be a group of people that will only see Jesus through you and through me. 
I want to give you a, a few passages of Scripture to help reinforce that. But there's a reason why Jesus would say that the one that serves me, who will follow after me wherever I am, he's going to be also. Jesus has done this wonderful and powerful work on our behalf so that we can live just like him, be just like him. I want to give you a, a little picture of what that actually looks like. Maybe a little recipe for Jesus, so to speak. If you're taking notes, you, you can just write that down. I want to give you a passage of scripture out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is a wonderful, concise description of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. God anointed his life with the Holy Spirit and with power. And upon that anointing, he lived his life in such a way that those who were around him were healed from their oppression that the devil was bringing into their life, all because the presence of God was upon his life. When I mentioned earlier that I was, was struggling this week trying to identify a single direction, it was because every time I turned around, there was a, a, a monumental disaster in somebody's life. Somebody dealing with things that, that are... are absolutely catastrophic. Death, divorce, uh, all kinds of, of tragic situations, loss, uh, business uh, uh, failure, all kinds of things. It seemed like when one thing seemed to have uh, uh, some solution entered into it, another thing popped up. And what I'm beginning to realize is, oh my goodness, the people that are around me are suffering oppression. Things are happening. There is a strategic attack against their lives. And, and that attack uh, can be in a, a situation where it's seemingly prevailing. Now what I have to ask myself is, can I function in the anointing of Jesus Christ to help bring relief? Can I walk in my calling to be just like Jesus, to be a carrier of the Holy Spirit just like Jesus so that those whom I'm around can experience the relief that comes from the power of God being imparted to their situation or their circumstance? God's called us to function and operate this way. We're going to, to confirm that in the scripture. But what I want to offer is this. Could that passage of scripture describe us? I would love for that to be inscribed on my tombstone. You know, when my life here on earth has is, is come to a, a, com, a completion and, and, and I'm now with Jesus and awaiting, you know, the, the eternal glory to come and all of these things, could, would that be how I would be described? Would someone say, hey, you know Preston Humphreys, you know of Abilene, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he used that anointing you know, not for himself, but he went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. I want to be able to scratch and add my name right there. And it's a call that we have upon our life to do just that. I mean, let me give you a couple of things because when we encounter that idea that, that God's called us to function and operate like Jesus, oftentimes we hit a roadblock in our minds. I mean, the, the concept of functioning like Jesus is a difficult thing. I mean, it's enough for us to, to believe in Jesus, and it's enough for us to put trust in Jesus. But when you ask 
for, for me to, to begin to believe and function and operate just like Jesus myself, well, that's a whole other story. But let me give you a couple of things that Jesus spoke here. And something that's important to, to keep in mind, no pun intended, when we examine these things. There's something that we need in order to live the life that we're called to live. Now let me give you a very short uh, example of the life that we're called to live. Jesus is preaching in Matthew chapter 5. And it's a series of messages that we refer to as the Beatitudes. They're, they're a series of teachings that have uh, shaped and directed Christianity. It's, it's foundational in our faith. And as he completes this teaching in verse 48, he, he delivers something. Now, oftentimes, I've ended my messages with things like, you know, God bless you or, or in Jesus' name or something like that. Let me tell you how Jesus ended his message. He preached his message, and then he stood in front of everyone, and everyone's watching, waiting for this, this conclusion to this powerful and victorious word that has been delivered, and he ends it with this call. Therefore, you are to be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, a, a better translation for that word is mature. You're to be grown up, matured, not suffering the immaturities that hold us back. That's really what the word is meant to do. I, I love that he would impart the word and then conclude it with that. This is supposed to have an effect on you, a changing effect on you. That should be in a positive direction, growing you up leading you out of childish things and into mature things. Now, there's something that needs to happen for us to, to catch that because oftentimes it's easy for us to think about how Jesus could heal people and release them from oppression and all of that, but how can we do that? I want to give you a passage of Scripture out of Romans that's important for us to catch. What we need in order to, to pursue that perfection that we've been called to walk in. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world thinks. Rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then I love this. Catch this. Here's the so that, right? The word so that means that once this renewing of the mind takes place, there's an expected result, a result that we ought to expect. Have this renewal of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that we can prove it with our words, so that we can prove it with our actions, so that we can prove it with our attitudes, so that we can prove it in every aspect of our being. It starts up here in my mind. Now, I've been in a lot of church situations where this, this inferiority that exists in the minds and in the hearts of Christians is an immediate limitation to ever functioning or operating just like Jesus. To see oneself as just a sinner, so to speak, has become a bit of an identity among Christians around the world. When God has never looked at my life or your life and seen just a sinner, rather he has seen the glory of his son. He's seen his own image. He's seen the perfecting power of the blood of Jesus and the power of purity and holiness. That's the renewal of the mind that needs to take place in each one of us so that we can embrace that call to maturity that Jesus would offer us. I mentioned before we're going to find out what God's doing in your life. You know, when we gave a few things we were going to find, that was the second one. I want to give that to you now out of the scripture. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. 
Paul's writing, and he says, I'm very confident of this thing. I just want to pause there and emphasize that as he's writing this, the, the boldness to say, I'm very confident of this thing. I'm not writing this just to, to try to throw some you know, encouraging words your way or, or something like that. I'm, I'm, I've seen this clearly. This is the truth. I'm very confident of this thing. That the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day of the Lord, until the day Jesus returns. God is at work in your life and in my life, bringing us to that maturity, bringing us to that perfection, leading us into that which is just like Jesus. And he does this through his wonderful love for us. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture. I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, love never fails. Well, that by definition is perfection. Love never fails. I'll give you a couple of more passages. The first John chapter four, verse 12, it says that if we love one another, God's love will abide in us and his love is perfected in us. If you continue to read down to verse 18, you'll see that there's no fear in that love, but that perfect love casts out all fear. The one that fears is not perfected yet in the love of God. I mean, we can see that this work is taking place. God's continuing to reveal his love to us and in no greater manifestation than the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. I want to give you a passage of scripture here because I mentioned before I wanted to affirm that we're called to function like Jesus. Out of 1 John chapter 2, I want to begin in verse 5 and read 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. There's that word again. And it's by this that we know we're in him. The one that says he abides in God ought himself walk in the same manner as he walked. We're meant to walk like Jesus. Jesus' life is not just given in text form for us to have good reading or for some attempt to bring moral support into a, a, a body of, of believers. Rather, his life is meant to be an example for us to follow step by step. When we look at his life, we ought to see that this is the call upon our own life. And we ought to understand that this is the reason for the empowerment that we would walk in. That Jesus would even come, be born, and walk as a man. That he would go and be baptized by John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist was, was baffled by that. Saying, it's you that should be baptizing me. But yet Jesus said, oh, we need to do this in the proper order. Why? Because his life, every aspect of his life is an example for me. He didn't skip a single step. And then the Holy Spirit coming upon him to empower him so that he could go and deliver people from their affliction, just as we read in Acts 10.38 earlier, that anointing of the Holy Spirit and power so that he could heal those who were oppressed by the devil. That is the same experience that we have today when the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives. Now the question is, for what purpose? Now oftentimes in Christian circles today, that anointing is almost like a credential, almost like... You would see, you know, the Girl Scouts with their merit badges. Well, I go to church, and here's that. I got my Holy Spirit badge right here, and I got my speaking in tongues badge, and I'm going to a prophecy class, so I'm going to get my prophecy badge at the end of next month. That's really not how it is. 
The point is, is the Holy Ghost has been poured out upon our lives so that we can function and operate just like Jesus. So that when those calls roll in and those texts roll in and the people around you's lives are falling apart, you can stop, pause, seek the will of God, and then impart it. Now, if you're like me, you would hear that and think, that sounds great, but, but how? I want to give you a, a passage of scripture that I think is important, and it's one that we could discuss for weeks on end because of the depth and the content. But for the sake of today's message, we're going to read through it quickly and just simply see that God's given us everything we need to function just like Jesus. <clears throat> if you have your, your Bibles there, you want to write it down for your notes, you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if, if you're well-read in the Bible and you, you have an awareness of, of the book of Corinthians and its structure, and you hear 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you might think, well, wow, that's, that's a chapter about spiritual gifts, and you'd be right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing and he's talking about spiritual gifts, but he opens up in a really wonderful way, a seemingly peculiar way. He opens up this chapter and he's speaking to a group of believers. I mean, that could be me and that could be you. He's, he's writing to Christians here and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. Now, I remember the first time I read that, I thought, you know, here's a man who's eloquent. He's low drama. He doesn't add uh, uh, theatrics to his writing, but yet he's making something here that we ought to pay attention to. What he's saying is that these things that exist in our lives, if we're not careful, we could be unaware of them. We could be dull to them. They could be our plan B rather than our plan A. But he's saying, hey, guys, over here, look over here. As it concerns spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware. Be aware. Be awake. Let them be a priority in your life. He goes on to say there's a variety of gifts, but there's one spirit. A variety of ministries, but the same Lord. Variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then we see a list of these things. Now, I want to stop right here, and I want to just give you a, a very blunt and bold statement. Gifts are not given one to each person. There's not one person that has this gift and one person that has that gift and one person that has that gift. But these gifts are available to any believer at any time. Any believer at any time. Would you see someone who, who ministers in one gift more than another? Probably, possibly, that's fine. But to come to a conclusion that God gives somebody this gift and somebody this gift and somebody that gift, like we need to trade baseball cards, you know? Well, I don't have that guy here. I'll trade you mine for yours. That's not how it works. God has made these gifts available, and you're going to see that there's nine of them here, and I want to offer this to you, that these nine gifts of the Holy Ghost are the solution to every single problem, whether singular or in combination. These nine things are the solution to any problem. The Bible goes on to list them. So the first one, the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom, knowing what to do. The second one, the word of knowledge to know what's going on or to know that something needs to be done in the first place. Let me give you an example of a word of wisdom, and some of these are just going to be, you know, uh, uh, made up. But let's just say that somebody texted me this week and, and they were having an awful situation in their marriage. 
and I had something rise in my spirit to share with them. You need to go and you need to minister the following scripture to your wife. And they go and they minister and it's powerfully effective. That would be a word of wisdom. You gave them a, a what to do that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Then word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is one of those gifts. Word of knowledge is, is often operated in or ministered in and we refer to it sometimes as prophecy, but that's not really accurate. But if somebody were to be here, like let's just say I were standing here and all of a sudden I had a word of knowledge uh, and I, I'm just totally making this up, but I were to say, hey, you know, Dave, I, I just feel in my spirit that I see in my spirit you went to the doctor this week and you don't like the results, but I'm telling you now, God is, is delivering you from that ailment. To, to have the knowledge that something was, was a present or a problem, that's a spiritual gift. You keep going down the list. You had word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith. Faith is a spiritual gift. Faith is imparted. It's the reason why as Jesus is operating in the spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's preaching and proclaiming. I mean, just read even that declaration of why the Holy Spirit's on him in the first place. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm called to preach. I'm anointed to proclaim. And all of these words being the word of God, building our faith. To another, healing. Healing is a spiritual gift. Healing is a spiritual gift. Uh, to, to see something imparted where there's actual physical healing. Uh, the removal of a, an ailment or a disease. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be spiritual. I, I make the list there. Healing is healing. What was once uh, suffering is no longer suffering. Then another, the affecting of miracles. Well, healing to me is a miracle in and of itself, but not all miracles are healing, right? I mean, if my body was sick and, and Bill came and laid hands on me and that sickness went away, that would be healing. But that's not, you know, the Red Sea parting, right? The Red Sea parting is a miracle, but nobody got healed. They were just delivered from certain death. <laughs> so in this case... You can see miracles, the affecting of miracles. You may be facing a situation where no one's sick, there's no disease, but you need to see a miracle. And there's the affecting of miracles as a spiritual gift. And then another is prophecy. Now, we've talked about prophecy before. I like to talk about prophecy because I think it, it's, it's, it can be misunderstood, especially in certain circles, greatly. But prophecy means to reveal the will of God. I mean, it can, it can be to state those things that have not come to pass yet, but yet that was the will of God to bring it to pass, to reveal the will of God. Pro prophecy is something that is, is meant to be walked in by every believer. And Paul asked that, and declared that he desired that we would all prophesy. You see Jesus prophesying uh, on occasion a number of times in the scripture, but the one that, that I see the clearest is when he defeats Satan in the wilderness, when he reveals what the will of God is in the midst of temptation. You know, the devil's telling him, you're hungry, you haven't eaten, turn that stone to bread, and he begins to reveal the will of God. That man doesn't live on bread alone. And you have the distinguishing of spirits. Now, some Bibles say discernment. I don't like using the word discernment because every Christian I've ever known thought that they just had tremendous discernment, like they had good judgment. And, and really and truly, I hate to burst your bubble, but I've met very few people that had good judgment. And, and I myself am on that list of people who think too much of their judgment. I'm serious. You want to know what revealed it to me? When I got married, I realized that 
that, you know, I, when I had someone who could mirror all of my choices and decisions and play them back for me, I realized, wow, I, I don't have a very good track record. And then you have two left here. You have tongues. Now, tongues is a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is multifaceted. Now, that might be a weird word. It just means it's got multiple roles. You know, I mean, there is what is known as our prayer language or the, the, the tongue of angels. Uh, I've been asked before, you know, hey, Pastor Preston, do you speak in tongues? The answer to that is yes. You know, I mean, if you have come to any of the prayer meetings or anything like that, maybe you, you've heard it before. It doesn't matter if you've heard it or not. But the point is, is that, yes, I do. Then there is tongues where it could be uh, given with an interpretation. Like, let's just say all of a sudden a gift of tongues flows in here and, and someone stands and gives a word, okay? I'm totally making this up, totally fabricated, but they stood and they, you know, and then somebody over there stands and says, the Lord is near. He's seen your affliction and no more shall your enemies triumph over you. You would have a tongue and an interpretation. And you see those as gifts here. They're, they're, they're listed separately because they are separate. But yet they're together and they're unified and they function all together. So when you look at these things, I want to offer this to you. These nine things that are listed here. When you read the gospel, now this is kind of the point. So if you're, if you're starting to fade, dial in. When you read the Gospels and you see Jesus setting anyone free from oppression of the devil, remember Acts 10.38, we know he was anointed by God with power and the Holy Spirit, and he went about healing those who were oppressed by the devil. Anytime you see Jesus doing that in the Gospel, he's operating in one or a combination of these nine things. Pick any of them. I mean, a, a woman being dragged to him saying, this woman was caught in adultery. The word says we're to stone her. What do you say? Man, you need a word of wisdom and you need it fast. <laughs> There's no, hey guys, come back tomorrow. Let me think about this. When you're handed some kid's lunch and you need to feed thousands and thousands of people, you need the effecting of miracles. And for that kid, you need faith. <laughs> I mean, you can go through the list. I like going through the list because it inspires me, actually. I mean, when I start to think about it and I start to see, wow, th there's something here. I begin to realize, and you're telling me that all of this is, is made available to me, too, today by the Holy Ghost. I'm called to be just like Jesus. When I get those texts, when I get those phone calls, the wheels are falling off. I need to look in my spiritual toolbox. God, what spiritual gift do you have assigned to bring solution to this worldly problem? What spiritual gift do you have assigned? And let me tell you, God's good. I've, I mean, I, I've told this story before, and I hate to be the, the, the guy that tells the same stories all the time, but it's just such a great example. We were doing a, 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 a praise night at a church in Oklahoma. And it was a, it was a university town there, and, and they, they had a chapter of something that was wanting to use our facility for their praise and worship night, and they, they did, and it is, they, they packed it out, and the music is, is there, and it's great, and it's loud, and everybody's uh, having a, a good time. And they asked for me to speak, and I went and spoke, and I went back to my office. And when I'm sitting in my office, somebody comes and knocks on the door. And they say, hey, uh, Pastor, you and our other guests, we would like for you to come and minister. Would you be willing to stand at the altar, and we could call for 
for ministry and you could lay hands on people and, and pray for them. And would you be willing to do that? I said, sure. And I went and, and stood there and the music was really loud and the, the, the young college student who was the president of that group that was there, you know, went and got the mic and gave an invitation and the music fired back up and people came and got in line. One guy came through the line, you know, had some problems and some struggles, laid hands on him, prayed for him. Another guy comes up there, and, and he's, he's standing right in front of me, and I can't tell what he's saying. And so I ask him to speak up, and, and I, he speaks up, and I just tell him, I can't hear you, and, and I can't hear you, and, and he, he speaks up even louder. I, I can't hear you because the music's so loud. And then the music like comes to a pause, and the whole auditorium just hears, I'm deaf. Here I am telling a deaf guy I can't hear him, you know. Uh, and let me tell you what I thought, okay? And I, I know I've told the story before, so if, if, if you've heard it before, just bear with me. The first thing I thought, and now, now you don't have anything you could throw at me, do you? Nobody's got rocks in their pocket. This is me being really honest with you, okay? This is the first thing I thought. Well, you can't fake this. That's what I thought. Let me tell you what I mean by that. He's either going to go back to his seat as deaf as he walked up or he's going to go back to his seat able to hear. This isn't just some, well, let me pray for you. I hope that goes away. I hope that clears up. You know, I mean, this guy is going to walk back to his seat. There's either going to be a result or there's not. And so as I'm thinking that, I mean, all this is happening in split seconds, you know. I'm, I'm turning to go get the, you know, anointing oil and things like that and and I, I, that's when I have that thought, well, you can't fake this. And as I'm turning back, I'm, uh, the, the rest of the thought is, Holy Spirit, this is all you. There's absolutely nothing I can do for this guy. You, this is all you. This isn't a counseling appointment at the altar. I put my hand on him, and, and I begin to, to pray, and, and I'm ministering healing. Right? It's one of the gifts, right? I'm going in my toolbox, right? Deaf guy walks up, and... Needs, needs to be able to hear it. I'm going in the toolbox and I'm, God, heal this man. Heal him. Open up his ears. Heal him. And while I'm praying, you know, I, I, it's right. It's just, you, it's an awareness in your heart. You can say you hear it and it's not in your ears. It's just inside. He doesn't need healing. And so I literally am having this conversation back saying, well, what does he need? He needs deliverance. Well, distinguishing of spirits. That's another one in my tool bag here, right? Okay. My hand's still on him, and I just say, in the name of Jesus, you deaf spirit, I bind you, and I command you to loose your hold from this young man. And in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave him and all of your effects to go with you. Something like that. And the guy's just looking at me, and the music is loud. And he has these devices in his ears, you know, and, and, and I, I ask him, can you hear me? And he looks at me and he shakes his head. Can you hear me? Shakes his head. The music is so loud. I say, come out here. And, I'm, and, you know, it'd be like if I walked out that door right there. There was a hallway. We called it the Grand Hall. It was actually a really cool facility. Took him out in, in that hallway. And it was tiled and had great echo and, you know, all that, and we begin to walk, and then I stop, and I don't tell him I stopped, he just keeps walking, and he gets to about the end of that row of chairs there, and he realizes I'm not with him, and he turns around, 
I said, can you hear me? You know, and in that hall, you just hear, can you hear me? Hear me, hear me, hear me. Shakes his head, no. And I motion for him. You know, he has these devices in his ears. I say, take them out. Take them out. He reaches up and he takes them out. And as he's taking out the second one over here, I say, can you hear me? And I'll never forget the look on his face. <laughs> and I mean the tears and the snot. I've never seen so much snot in my life. And he runs inside and he gets on the platform and stops the music. I don't know if he's ever heard his voice before, but he gets the mic and he's talking, that pastor, the pastor, the pastor, you know, and his, his speech is still affected, the pastor, the pastor, because he's hearing himself maybe for the first time. He prayed for me and this, and I'm thinking, well, I didn't exactly pray for you, you know. Uh, but but that's, that's fine. I mean, that's what he saw and that's what he perceived. I didn't want to go up there and be like, well, now everyone, let me tell you. But I, I had a moment there where I realized something. I realized, you know what, this isn't meant to just be random. We're not pulling the handle on a Holy Ghost slot machine. Well, hope we come up three cherries, you know, healing, 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 jackpot, all right, you know. We, we, are, we are called to be intentional, to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and to be connected with what God is doing. God is freeing his people from affliction. And I think that's why Paul would write like that. He would say, hey, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware of these things. I don't want you to get caught up in the week in, week out of Christianity and forget and lose sight that you have been given the same things that our Savior Jesus Christ has been given to liberate people from affliction. It's a wonderful call. I want to read this final passage of scripture to you as we, we prepare to close. And, you know, I told you we'd find three things. That third thing was, was what God wants to share with you. You know, if we still need the renewal of our mind to realize that God's calling us to function and operate just like Jesus, that he's poured out the same Holy Spirit and made available those same gifts of the Holy Spirit that you see Jesus operate in through the Gospels. I would hope that this passage of Scripture could, could seal the deal and help us to cross over any threshold that might exist uh, that might be a, a burden or a barrier for us believing that God's called us to that mark. I'll give it to you out of uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It's, it's speaking about God here and what he's done for us. Uh, his divine power has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Some of your Bibles may say by. The word's not by, it's to. He didn't call you by his glory. He called you to his glory. Not by, but to. He called you to his glory and excellence. And if you need confirmation of that, just read the next verse. For by these things he granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by its lust. Did you catch what God's wanting to share with you? His very own nature who he is, 
all of these precious and magnificent promises poured out upon our lives so that we can partake in his nature, we can participate in his ministry, we can function and operate within his kingdom just like our King Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And just like Paul would write, as it concerns looking back on the list of those spiritual gifts, I would encourage each of us to begin to get familiar with those things for the purpose of looking at every trial, every situation, every circumstance, every hardship, whether it's in our lives or in the lives of those around us, and taking the time to ask God, God, which one of your spiritual gifts needs to be applied to this situation? What heavenly solution are you anointing me to bring to this worldly problem? And will you bestow the strength, the courage, the faith to see to it that it's bestowed upon it in full? I think it's when believers begin to function like that that there's satisfaction for the question, Sir, can we see Jesus? And I think that's what the world's wanting to see. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray over us. We're going to dismiss. But I really believe God is stirring and doing things. It's not about just closing out a service. I want you to, first of all, understand that you being here in this room this morning is a divine appointment. That there's a purpose behind it. There could have been a number of things that would have you somewhere else, but yet you're here. And if you're like me and you had a week even remotely like the week I had last week, you have a list of things that all need a heavenly solution applied to them. And I have to trust and believe that getting in the word like we did today and examining those solutions should rekindle a flame, maybe even ignite it for the first time to begin to prioritize and pursue those solutions that God's made available to us by the anointing of the Holy Ghost through Jesus. I want to pray and I want to ask God for that. The prayer is going to be simple, but the effect, powerful. So there where you stand, you can be in a state of agreement or just simply receiving. I want to pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. Father, we bless your name. You're amazing to us in every way. We rejoice that you have done such incredible and magnificent things on our behalf. I'm asking for a renewal of our minds, individually and collectively, that we would begin to see the life of Jesus Christ as an example set before us in how we're called to live and how we're called to function. Let us begin to see all that you've bestowed upon us, not as credentials meant to prove that we're legitimate, but as the equipping to go and do your work. Let the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit flow over our lives and through our lives to those who are around us who are being afflicted even now and let them come to know relief. Let them come to know freedom. Let them come to know justice. Let them come to know Jesus. And as a world would cry out, let us see Jesus. We stand here surrendered.
saying, let Jesus be seen and let him be seen through us. We bless your name and we thank you. We rejoice in you and we celebrate our King. Let the anointing not only rest upon our lives, but be released through it in every word, in every action. Let Jesus be seen. Let your kingdom be expanded. Be glorified. We ask for this, for your glory and in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.